this is Richard Bay, and listening to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he is back again. He is the king of the talk show circuit. You remember Jane Pratt. You remember Ricky Lake. You remember um, um, Jerry Springer, Steve Wilkos, but the original, the originator, Mr. Richard Bay. Richard, welcome back, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm either... uh you are responsible for a lot of this. <laughs> no, you 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 are the to me in, in in the city of New York, New Jersey. You're the originator to me of the talk show circuit, man. You know, Maury Povich, blah. You know, now he's taking a cue off you. Well, I just you know? um, there's a guy, um, uh, what's his name now, Morgan. Uh, oh, the guy that did uh, supersize me. He's a documentary. Morgan movie. Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock, of course. Just, I had another phone call coming in that distracted me. Um, yeah, he flew me to New York last year, and he did a documentary for arts and entertainment television about the talk shows of the 90s, and uh, we did about a three-hour interview. I'm not in it very much, but he has a lot of us in there. Uh, originally, I think his idea was that the talk shows of the 90s um, were the foundation for the rise of Donald Trump. And I was telling him, I didn't buy that at all. What? <laughs> I gave him, well, he, he means that uh, all of a sudden there was a, sort of a populist feeling about talk shows, that there was uh, 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 rude and crude expressions between people that became acceptable in the media. Um, so, you know, but it's it's all kind of a stretch, you know, that, that I think. Yeah. Oh, man. But in a way, the talk shows led to reality television, which led to The Apprentice, which led to uh, yeah. Donald Trump's presidency. But you're, you're making, you know, giant uh, quantum leaps between those things, yeah. in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. I, I You know, I, I guess I could see the correlation, but... I don't know. Like, I don't know. Then then you might as well say $100,000 Pyramid with Dick Clark and all these other shows were influenced by, you know, all these, like the Merv yeah. Griffin show and whatnot. Like, everything is influenced by something. Well, you know? yeah, everything's influenced by everything else. I mean, I was influenced by Salvador Gigante and uh, yes. Nickelodeon and, yeah. um, uh, you know, Soupy Sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, there were a lot of things. Like Howard Stern yes. was an influence, you know? Yeah. So all of these things were influences, and you sort of, and frankly, that's usually what television is like. It's, um, you know, it's it's sort of a potpourri of a grab bag of, of um, current cultural trends and expressions, you know? Uh, so it's, there's, every once in a while, there's something original that appears on TV, and uh, frankly, I think we were we were original for this, and and I know we were original because uh, I know the whole process and how it started and how everybody else started to copy us, and I know why we went in that direction because originally every talk show was a, a clone of Donahue. Yes, and I would do. I was interviewing uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, Rudolph Giuliani and Ed Koch and Steven Spielberg and uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and uh, and doing uh, you know issue 
oriented uh, television with uh, uh, Al Sharpton and uh, with uh, uh, Vladimir Posner from uh, the Soviet Union. And, and then after a while, there were so many uh, of these talk shows that were imitating Donahue. There was Maury, there was uh, Jerry originally was a, a show that was about homelessness and, yes. and with like a Donahue-esque show, Geraldo. Mm-hmm. And there was so much competition for guests and they were paying big money for guests and we were actually a local show. So we couldn't compete with them, you know, for the guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had done a great job of, of, of reacting to breaking news because we were live. And we were out of uh, New Jersey, and so if it was on the front page of the New York Post or the New York Times or the the, uh, Daily News, we would have that guest on that very morning. I mean, I had great producers. Uh, But then after every other show was also reacting, you know, to news and doing social issues, um, we had to change direction. And one day uh, we had a hole in uh, in our schedule. And one of the producers had just been married and she came in and she said, well, why don't we do just a wilder version of the newlywed game and get newlywed? Uh, she goes, I was just married and it's so fun and so funny how you have to adjust to the toothpaste cap off and the dirty socks around the room. And I, you know, I made like the gag, I put my finger down my throat and make a gagging sound because it sounded so lame. But frankly we needed something to fill that slot so we did it and the next day we came in and we had like a 27 share which is outrageous meaning uh, the percentages of all televisions that were on at that time 27 percent of them were watching us it was our highest rating in a while so the executive producer and i looked at each other and said real stories and game and that was the direction we went and we did that as a local show for a while um we, we, they first rolled us out nationally into Los Angeles. They took what is called a slow rollout and did it. They said, oh, this will only work in New York. And then they did it in Los Angeles, and it was a monster in Los Angeles. And then they said, oh, this will only work in a major urban city. So they rolled it out to uh, Minneapolis and uh, Cleveland and other places that were smaller, and we were killing there. So it took two years for them to actually syndicate the show while we were doing the show. And by the time we got syndicated, you had Ricky copying us and Mm -hmm. Jerry copying us and Maury and Sally and Charles Perez and Tempest and Danny Bonaducci. Yes. Wow. Everybody. It was a cavalcade of shows that had just uh, launched in in that two-year period. And Mm. in in fact, many instances, we would book a show, and then two weeks later, we'd see our same guests on these other shows. Yeah. So by the time we made it nationally, um, you know, it was no longer the the next new thing, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's the story. Yeah, it's crazy. Sorry because... to go up no, no, no. What do you... What do you really want to talk about? No, no, it's it's <laughs> it's totally fine though. It's totally fine because I think the last time we talked was probably what two years ago, I believe, or three years ago. And, and boy, aren't we living in a different world? Now? Yes, yes, it's it's insane. It's insane as as Bill Maher would say, Orange Finkter is running this country, and it's just <laughs> you know, it's 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 amazing how much 
time has passed by and what was to me was like a stage joke like a like a wrestling show is now reality and it's just insane you know i want I, you know because i know you're very active on facebook i want the people i want i want you to talk i want you i want your thoughts richard's bay's thoughts on this whole thing well i, I think it's almost like we've had a divergent split in reality it's like the man in the high castle which is about <laughs> what would have happened if the Nazis and the Japanese had won the war, or these, and I, I'm a big fan of alternative history. I love reading alternative history, you know, and, uh, you know, I read the Underground Railroad, which is, posits that there was a real railroad that was uh, ferrying uh, uh, slaves to freedom, and that there were different sorts of ways southern states were dealing with HBO is doing a, a series next year about what would have happened if the South had won the Civil War. And to me, that's almost what's happened here. I mean, <laughs> you. you look back and you go, we've gone from no drama Obama hmm. to uh, uh, hell's a poppin' every single day to this drama, not only every day, but Four or five times a day, there's something that you just go, no, this can't be happening. This can't be what he said. Um, it's, 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 it's breaking through to, you know, there's that uh, uh, theory of multiverse in physics that there are limitless, you know, versions of, of reality that mm. exist side by side. It seems like... We just collapsed through into another one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Truth is not truth. And, uh, you know, there's uh, conspiracies everywhere. And, uh, you know, Obama <laughs> was born in Kenya and Muslims, thousands and thousands of Muslims were celebrating on Trump's TV set after 9-11 in New Jersey. And, I mean, there's just so many of these things. Um, you know, it's just... It's a, it's a total dislocation, and the real fear that I think people have is, will we ever return to our own <laughs> universe? Remember there was, what was that show? Uh, oh, there was a, like a science fiction show, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, where these people were trying, they go through different... Oh, sliders. Uh, tunnels, I forget, what, what was it called? Sliders. Sliders. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was sliders. <laughs> That's what we're in. We're in sliders. <laughs> <laughs> and they could never make their way back. Well, I think the fear that we all have is will we ever be able to go back from where we came, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We it... lost faith, you know? Yeah. It's so far away yep. from, from where they were supposed to be that they keep traipsing around to these different planets. You know? Yeah, I know. I think so. I, yeah, I, I do feel like that. Like we're in a different planet and we're in a different realm where, you know, everything. It's weird because I moved from New York to the Midwest. I'm living in Wisconsin now, and I never realized how many Trump supporters are in Wisconsin. It's like New York. You know, we're from the city, from diversity, so we knew the Kool Aid all along. Like with all his failed right. Trump universities and oh, all sure. his, you know, like we know all that. But these people out here, they think he's like the great savior. It's just so crazy. Well, not all of them. I mean, it looks like uh, Walker is going to meet his match. Let's hold, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. And, and there have been some changes in uh, 
I, I think we're Democrats. I think there was uh, recently a, a vote for a judge, and was, there there are there are some there. But um, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, and and in New York, I mean, I lived two blocks from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I met him three times in my life, uh, twice uh, in places that that um, involved women and picking up women, which, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I wasn't party. In fact, there was one time I had a, there was a Playboy centerfold yeah. uh, that I was dating and she was in my bed and she asked me, would you mind if I drove, would you mind driving me down um, to this beauty pageant? I, I'm supposed to meet Donald Trump tonight. Now, I don't know. What I, I can't say what happened after that, but I can say that, that I went down there and I met Donald Trump there. The, the last time I met him, um, the person who brought me up to him and, and introduced me to him was Al Sharpton. Wow. That was, that was funny. Wow. Al Sharpton introduced you to Donald Trump. Wow. Hey, hey Richard Bay, have you ever met Donald Trump? Come over here. <laughs> Wow, what was what was your initial reaction when you actually met him in person? Well, I met him several times. The first time we were at a party, I think it was to watch the fireworks on July Fourth. This was a very strange story. Okay. Uh, that brought us to. So I met this girl who just arrived in New York from Ohio, and she wanted to be an actress, model, you know, like you know every girl that gets off the bus. Yeah. At ten, you know. Um. So. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to her, and all of a sudden, the, the whole party started. It was in a penthouse in the East Village, um, because he had a balcony and we could watch the fireworks. And all of a sudden, the whole place starts murmuring and murmuring. And it was Donald Trump. And it was the first time that he'd been out socially since uh, separating from uh, um, Ivana. Yeah, uh... So everybody was, like, talking and looking at him, and... The host of the party introduced him to me, and this girl that I was trying to pick up latched on to him. Uh, he left the party and uh, went to China Club in his limo, and the girl that I was talking to, her name was Kat, she went with him, and the next day, the tabloids in New York, the Post, the Daily News, they had headlines, Trump's new cat, uh, and pictures of the two of them dancing in the in China Club, wow. and uh, and so you know, and I was doing my local talk show at the time. So I went to the producers and I said, you know, I just met this girl last night. They said, well, book her for the show, book her. <laughs> it's the big tabloid story. So I called. She had a PR person named Ken Sunshine, who's now very big in Democratic politics, and he said, well, you know, Geraldo has asked for her. And I said, well, Geraldo's national, I'm local. I said, I can get this on live and we could do it tomorrow. And I said, with Geraldo, you know, you, you're not going to get, uh, the show is not going to air for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I said, let me just give you a word of warning. Don't trust Geraldo because, uh, you know, anything he tells you, uh, you, he's not a trustworthy person. He'll do anything. Yeah. I said, but if I tell you, I just wanted to come on, talk about what happened. I'm, I'm not here to sandbag her. I'm not here to attack her. I'm not here to make her look bad. I just want to hear the story. And if I tell you that's all I'm going to do, I said, that's all I'm going to do. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm giving you 
that assurance before she comes on. Wow. But I'm also warning you, Geraldo will screw you. Yeah. So the girl comes on my show. We have a nice segment. It's, you know, the big New York story. Um, and everything's fine. And uh, afterwards, she goes on Geraldo. And as Geraldo's interviewing her, with all the promises he made, he puts his finger to his ear to the, uh, you know, to the earpiece. And he goes, oh, wait a second. I'm told we have a phone call coming in. Huh. And I go, all right, here it comes. And it's Donald Trump. And he's on the phone. Oh. And he says, who the hell do you think you are? You're a nobody. I don't even know you. You know, you're a little gold digger trying to get attention. You jumped into my list. Now, all of this may be true, but still, Geraldo had promised them that he would uh, treat her well, and he sandbagged her, bagged her with Donald Trump, who started berating her and insulting her over the air, and the girl burst into tears. Um, after that, I, I called to tell the guy, I told you so, and he said, well... She's gone back to Ohio. She's totally destroyed by this. Wow. And I've tried to do a, an internet search to find the articles on this because uh, it was front page. Front page, Daily News or New York Post. I mean, they even had her picture on it, you know? Yeah. And there's no record of this at all. What? Yeah, isn't that strange? Very. How could that be you... possible? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I did search Trump, cat, China Club, Trump, cat, girlfriend, Trump, cat, you know, separated, you know, I, I, I can't find anything. Oh, shit. Well, it makes you wonder, right? It makes you wonder if he had something like to, you know, did something to take it out, you know, like it never well, existed. Oh, yeah, we had, remember we had the Inquirer. Yeah. Where, you know, pay off uh, Karen McDougal. Yes. And the payoff that Michael Cohen made to, uh, I, I'm sure they didn't have to pay off this girl. But they could have done something to, you know, listen, I don't like to speculate on conspiracy. Mm -hmm. I like to just state the fact. Yeah. I can't find anything about it. And it was a front page story wow. at the time. Those are the facts. Yeah. Anything else is just speculation. And I'm not, a, you know, people on the left or right have conspiracy theories. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I jump to factual yeah. uh, pyramid kinds of evidence that yeah. lead you to a conclusion well, i don't just make those kind of leaps well how about there how about yeah. how about the episode of geraldo and your episode are they on youtube with cat no what? no 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 not a, but that's something more uh, th that i understand you know we, yeah. we did 250 shows a year yeah and uh that's between 1987 until you know January 1st, uh, uh, 1997 at OR. So that's 10 years. So, you know, some of those shows are, are... I have a collection of a lot of them, and I have them on DVD. I probably have about, I don't know, 300 or so. But, wow. you know, a lot of them, I'm sure, are just lost forever. Oh, man. Wow. I can't believe I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't believe it. Shocking. You know, but yeah. Well, it's just, I'm, listen, it's shocking, but it's such a minor thing in comparison to yeah, I know to what's going on in the world. On. Yeah, um, yeah. um, how do you? Well, <laughs> I already know how you think he's doing, but how do you think he's doing? How do you think he's 
you know. I think from the very beginning, he he was a person who is emotionally volatile, mm-hmm. uh, mentally unstable, and ignorant. Yeah. And was completely un you know uh, completely unqualified for the yeah. position of president, and he's getting worse. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, remember Hitler? Hitler was in his bunker. Richard Nixon would get drunk and walk around and talk to the presidential portraits. You know, we're told. Yeah. And this guy is underneath it all. He's he's full of bombast and braggadocio, but underneath, he's got a very tenuous and fragile link to maturity, stability, and reality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Not, I, listen, and people go, oh, the economy, the economy. Well, yeah, you know what? You give corporations a, a gigantic tax cut, you give the wealthiest people in America a gigantic tax cut. You take away the inheritance tax completely. You don't touch uh, Wall Street, really, and their carried interest deductions for hedge funds. The economy is going to get a boost just the way when you sniff cocaine, you're going to get a boost. The The thing is, after you sniff the cocaine, you get a boost, and then you come down when the serotonin starts to wear off the burst that you've got, you, you go into a period of depression. Yeah. And uh, the same thing will happen here. All of these things were not accruing the revenues that the government needs to even pay off its debt. We're, we're mounting even more, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 budget uh, deficits and adding to the, we added a trillion dollars to the national debt and more. This is a period of time when things are going relatively well where we should be paying down the debt. Now, it's true that Obama did accrue a significant amount of debt during his presidency, but a big portion of that had to do with stimulus uh, to get the economy running again, which he successfully did. And a big portion of that was also to fund two wars that he didn't start. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, 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 the idea is when you're doing well, pay down your credit cards, you know, mm-hmm. because there will be a rainy day uh, when you're not going to be able to pay them off at interest rates. Interest rates on credit cards, I've watched them already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, over the last two years, I've done everything to try to, switch credit card interest to fixed interest uh, loans because uh, you know some some credit cards now are 18 19 percent now people who started buying things at 14 percent and they now have five percent more to pay on their credit cards um you know the figure is there's a significant portion of americans who if they had a Four hundred or five hundred dollar emergency at the end of the month, they wouldn't have the money to pay for it. Well, all of a sudden, you're getting, you know, that credit card debt, which is at the highest level it's ever been in America. Credit card debt by consumers. People are going to get caught in a crunch, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get caught in a crunch too because we're we're going to have these uh, uh, this massive debt, and the next time there is a downturn. And believe me, there will be a next time. <laughs> Most economists believe it will happen in late 
2019 or early 2020, um, we're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be in big trouble because we're because we have a, a debt interest that has to be paid off. And you know who's going to pay for it? People on Social Security, people on Medicare, people on Medicaid. Yeah. Because we've we've given away these tax cuts to the wealthiest and uh, tax cuts to corporations, which isn't to say we shouldn't have had a corporate tax reduction. Uh, everyone seems to forget both Obama and Romney both proposed corporate tax reduction. But the, the, the corporate tax reductions they proposed were 27% for Obama, 25% for Romney. And what we have now is a 15% tax reduction that's that's a big chunk of change yeah. you know yeah uh-huh. so yeah we're going to be in trouble and you know what's going to yeah. happen when the trouble comes you know we'll most probably have a uh, at least a democratic house and the republicans will blame it on them uh-huh. uh, you think but, yeah you think anything? I think you think um, something's going to happen before November where he could get impeached, or that's not possible. No, I no, I, it's not possible. Well, first of all, before November, forget it. <laughs> Even after November, the yeah. Democrats in this year are facing one of the most difficult election maps in history. Yeah. I don't have the figures right in front of me, but I think that in the Senate they have to. Um, they have to defend 25 seats, and Republicans only have like eight that they have to defend. Now, in the House, it looks more and more clear every day that the Democrats will take the House. And that can start investigations. That will put them in charge of committees. That will, uh, you know, that will create, you know, new information, uh, you know, about the Trump administration and bring it to light. But the Senate... It's very unlikely Democrats will take the Senate. It's not impossible, but it's it's not probable. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, in 2020, the map changes. And in 2020, the Republicans have over 20 seats to defend, and de- Democrats will only have eight. So in 2020, uh, you know, when Trump is running again, um, it's... It's more than probable that we'll have a Democratic House, a Democratic Senate, and hopefully a Democratic president. I don't want Trump impeached. I'm one of those people that says, forget about impeachment. Restrain him. Yeah. Uh, make him a prisoner in the White House. You know, <laughs> Make everything that he would try to do uh, p- uh, painfully uh, impossible. Yeah. And that starts with winning back the House. Because if you can't get your legislation passed through the House, he's limited as to what he can do from the White House. Make him, uh, make him, a, you know, a, a, a weak, um, more and more um, obvious, a, a, a madman <laughs> roaming the <laughs> corridors. And then let him run again in 2020, you know, wow. and get a good Democratic candidate. Yeah. And then we'll have a period when we can really, after 2020, we'll be able to make real change. But the whole idea of impeachment going through the impeachment process uh, and having it fail on the Senate anyway and, you know, 
rallying his base and having people say, oh, this is so unfair. And then even if it did, was successful, which is highly unlikely, you end up with Mike Pence, who walks in and uh, the Republicans sell it as a clean slate. Here's the new, you know, candidate who, who wasn't impeached, who is so uh, morally uh, uh, immaculate that he won't even go to a cocktail party without his wife. Um, you know, and not that I think Pence is a great candidate. I think Pence, you know, Pence seems to me a, a, a robotic, um, uh, unthinking. In some ways, he's uh, he's as he's as dumb as uh, or ignorant, I should say, uh, as Trump. I mean, he's he's a he's a chatty Cathy doll. You pull the ring and you hear the same phrases. Strong-shouldered leadership. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I don't know, man. This is like. Do you see any um, potential candidates who could give Trump a run for his money? So you don't think there's any potential candidates to run against him that you see? Oh, sure. I think there's a lot of potential candidates. I don't know which ones. You know, I don't know which ones will be the strongest. I mean, I, I, I think Evan Newsom, who will be the most probably the next governor of California, is is will be a very very strong and uh, uh, popular candidate. Um, you know, Kamala Harris is another one. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I like what uh, Elizabeth Warren stands for and says. I don't find I find her a bit schoolmarmy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in her presentation, I mean, these days it is a show. Yeah. You've got to get. Uh, somebody who can take the stage and take it forceful Um, and emphatically. Um, You know, Elizabeth Warren does that, but I I still, I find her uh, pedantic in a way, but uh, in a way that I like, but in a way I think that will not appeal so much to a majority of Americans. And... um, and there are a whole bunch of people that, you know, are probably not even on the radar right now, you know. Yeah. Of course, there's Biden, yeah. you know, Biden who will kick his ass, I think. But yeah. Biden's a very, very old man. I'd rather see, I'd rather see somebody in the, in the mode of Obama, yeah. uh, young, vibrant, uh, uh, with an ability to communicate that is historic, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> frankly, I wish Michelle Obama would run. <laughs> yeah. I, I think she's great. I think she's great, and she's a match for her husband in almost every way, you yeah. know, she, uh, except with political experience. But I thought her speech at the Democratic Convention even surpassed Obama's. So, you know, I love her. Wow. But, um, there will be plenty of people who come up, and uh, we'll be surprised, just like we were surprised with Obama. Yep, that's true. I mean, true. before Obama, I was a supporter of John Edwards. Yeah. And man, that was a big mistake, obviously. Yeah. But John Edwards was great. He had all those qualities. He was an attractive, articulate candidate who said everything that I would want to hear. 
Mm. The only problem, he was shipping someone who was not his wife and paying her uh, to have his baby. So that's a big problem. <laughs> yep, that's true. Uh, Richard, man, thank you so much for being on the show. I wish I had more time with you. We could talk again. Um, um, oh, so the episode with Morgan Spurlock, do you know when that's coming out? No, it's been on already. It's been on already? Okay. Yeah. It's called um, oh, Culture, Culture Shock. Culture Shot? Yeah. Uh, is it like on Netflix or something like that? or? No, it's on A&E. A&E? Okay. So yeah. people could probably find out A&E on demand and find the episode that you're on. Richard, thank you yeah. so much for being on the show again, and hopefully we'll talk again. Okay. Hope so, too. Glad. Uh, I hope enough for you. All right. <laughs> thank you. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of home devices. Have a good one, folks.